What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the NRL Hunter podcast. We are doing a roundtable. We haven't done a roundtable in a long time, and this is a special occasion. We are here. The NRL Hunter has invaded South Africa. I am here from the U.S. with Mr. Rusty Elmer and Paul Dallin. Are, are you here, Ryan, or are you staying out of this? Ryan Omer's here, too, but he just stuffed his mouth full of blueberry a biscuit, muffin. blueberry muffin. And then we are here with our amazing host from Red Sand Safaris, Neil. Thank you very much. And we are here with PH, or is this correct? I don't, I, I don't want to mess up titles here. Yeah, yeah. Professional Hunter. Professional Hunter? Correct. Professional Hunter, Nets. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here. Glad to be here. So we just spent, well, here, let's start this off from how we got here. So last year, the first NRL Hunter series, um, on the prize table, I got contacted by Neil with Red Sand Safaris and, and Scott Satterley, and they said, hey, we want to put this safari as the grand prize on the prize table, and it's going to include all these different animals and accommodations and the whole nine yards for the champion. And last year, Rusty Omer was our champion, and that's the prize he took off the table. And, uh, and then Rusty... I'll let you tell tell everybody kind of what you wanted to do with your prize. Well, when Scott Scott Saturday told me about it early on in the year, I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And so I I talked to my son Ryan. I asked him if he would be interested in going to that if I if I won it, and he jumped at it. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go try to win it. And was lucky enough to be able to pick it up off the prize table. And so we invited some friends, Paul Dallin and his two boys Bryce and and uh Jeremy so we all uh we all came out here and then you came you were going to come and film it and Tyler Frainer came and that's how we all got here yeah so right now we're missing Neville who's one of the other PHAs and Tyler Frainer they had to actually catch an earlier flight back to the states so Neville took him so unfortunately they won't be able to join us but we definitely want to recognize that they were here and how much we appreciated having them out here and joining the, the party. Um, so Ryan's sitting here, but he didn't really want to talk, but we're going to make him talk anyway. So, Ryan, how old are you? Um, I'm 16. Awesome. Okay, you got the first one right. Yeah. <laughs> so, when, when your dad said we're going to South Africa, what did you think of as far as, like, what was going through your head? I mean, at 16, I never had those kind of opportunities. So, what was it for you, man? Um, I was just super excited to come kill a bunch of stuff, and then... I wanted to kill a giraffe, but sadly they said no. So I wanted a zebra rug after that. So, so what what all did you harvest this weekend? Um, I got a zebra, an impala, uh, gemsbuck, sable, sable, and blessbuck. So in like seven days, you killed more big game than most adults dream about in a lifetime. I mean, that's that's pretty epic, mm-hmm. right? Excuse me, man of man of few words, but that's right. If you know Rusty, it's that's his son. <laughs> We're gonna go to the next gentleman that absolutely will talk your ear off. No, Morgan's not here. Paul Dallin. Paul, you came out here with your boys. How how was this trip for you and what did you guys think? Uh it was it was fun. Great accommodations, um just the the wild the the animals that you see, they're just everywhere. Um it doesn't doesn't matter what you're going for. You're gonna you're gonna stumble upon several other species while you're 
while you're out going for whatever you're going for. Right. It was great. And and what was the Dallin clan able to harvest this weekend? Um, or this week rather, sorry. Yeah, they um so I didn't I didn't really shoot anything. I just wanted to come for them. Um uh and so uh Sable and Paula, Gemsbuck, Kudu, Blesbuck, Nyala, and a wildebeest. And <laughs> wow. A, and a reedbuck. Wow. So tons of awesome animals between just you guys, just the two families that came out. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, all right, everyone's gonna go, going to ask, right? So before we, before we actually get into that, Neil, tell us a little bit about Red Sand Safaris, where we're at, what we're doing here, what this beautiful property and experience has to offer. Okay, so location-wise, Red Sand Safaris is... Hold on, you, you have to speak with your American accent outside your mouth. Outside my mouth. Okay, that is... <laughs> that's, a, that's, a that's, that's a South African accent. You Americans talk inside of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Red Sands of Forest is, is located about two hours north of the capital of South Africa, which is Johannesburg, which is the airport that all of you guys flew into. Um, it's in, located in the Lopopo province of South Africa, which is very uh, low-lying bush country. And we have a, a hunting operation that we started in 2016, and we've been very blessed to hunt with some amazing people. And then, like I said, through Scott Saddley and with Travis, we we put together a prize for the NRL Hunters first season. And yeah, and that's basically with the planning for the very first, but definitely not the last NRL hunt with Red Sands Safari started. And we, yeah, still a very small company, but we've been blessed with a lot of growth over the years and we're still here and enjoying ourselves. Awesome. Awesome. Now, <coughs> excuse me. You had two PHs that were here. So PH professional hunter. Correct. Um, my understanding is in order to become a PH, you have to have some kind of education school. Like I said, I'm a PH this weekend. You kept telling me I can't be. <laughs> yeah. We have a qualification system that we go through. It's a, a written test and a physical uh, examination that you do over a period of time where you have to enter into a course and then you do everything from skinning to trophy estimation, species identification. We have to learn about the tracks, about the different cultures, about weapon systems, anything, everything from black magic to bullet bc so and then after you have the qualification then you can register with nature conservation to become a professional hunter and then you can have the privilege to come and work for me as a registered outfitter and then we get to take people out and we hunt over several different properties so it's not like i can do it on my own i really need a good team which i do have and i'm very lucky to have a very good team that I can send everybody out to their different locations and then, yeah, you can get on some species. Nice. So we had the opportunity, I think all of us had the opportunity to work with the three different PHs this weekend, right? Right. All right. So, Nets. Yep. As a PH, right, as somebody who spent the weekend with <clears throat> us, or the week, I the keep week, saying yeah. weekend, jeez, <laughs> the week. I'm so used to, like, the NRL Hunter being, like, so, a weekend It thing. was so fun, it, it felt like a weekend. There you go. <laughs> it, it was a, a long weekend. It long was awesome. Weekend. What, um, what is it that you find most interesting when you're guiding a group? Because we had different groups, you know, Paul and his two young boys, 
Rusty and, and his teenage son, right? And then Tyler and myself. So it was three yeah. very different dynamics. So I think doesn't matter where you come from in the world. It's always just so fascinating and like the mutual respect amongst hunters. Doesn't matter from where you are. We are like not the same person, but we have the same understandings about what what to do, what not to do. Even if like like today, um, Tyler, I I've said Tyler, let's go left around this bush. And he said, no, he think he thinks we should go right around and move back a bit. And we did what Tyler had done, and one minute after that, he shot his nyala. So, I think it's just a, it's just every, and the enjoyment everybody has. If you look back, everybody smile, right. smiles are to their ears. It's it's just so fun to see people appreciating what Africa has to offer. Absolutely, absolutely. So, with the the diversity of the group that we that came from the states. Yeah. How old is your, your youngest? Ten. He's 10 years old. So 10 to senior citizen yeah. this weekend. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's representing France in the senior citizen division. I think I'm safe to say that. <laughs> lots, lots of different experience levels. Yeah. Right? And this is for you too, Neil, because you helped guide it. You know, is it more challenging to work with somebody who's 10 years old who really doesn't have necessarily the the expectation that somebody who's old you know in their 30s 40s whatever might have is it or is it easier to work the the other way how does i think we could have seen it throughout the the week the first few days we kind of struggled to find to get on game we actually because it was actually between the guides PHs and the clients, we kind of had to work out what is a working system. And like you said, with every individual hunter, a different system would work. So with the kids, stay out of the long grass. With Rusty, stay out of the mountains. <laughs> so kind of it is, there's different things that work for different people. And luckily, the guides pick it up very quickly. They pick up a system like you would not believe. And we were very blessed, even though they are quite young, they they don't shoot like kids. They right. can yeah, they can make very very accurate shots, and that makes our job a lot easier. Right. Um, the moment we can get you on the animal, we have to unfortunately stand back and and give the hunter the opportunity to make the best possible shot, and we can't physically go put the bullet where we want it to go. And it's it's just really nice to see it hit where you where you want them to hit it. Right. So and that makes up for. For definitely, it makes up for being fairly inexperienced hunters, but they are very good marksmen. Absolutely. So, you know, that kind of leads me to another transitional question. This is, I guess, more for Paul and Rusty. You guys from from the U.S. side have absolutely the most experience out of the group here as far as hunting. What's the biggest differences between hunting in the States and hunting here in South Africa? Well, there's a lot more game here. And so, you know, there's, so we each hunted with the three different PHs. And uh, I hunted, I think I hunted with Neil and Nets first. And they're walking at almost normal walking speed, which, and I think I commented to both of them, it's like, I, I never hunt this fast. I, I, I'm still hunting, I'm walking, I'm looking a lot more. Um, 
And then I hunted with Neville, and he walks a lot slower. He hunts a little more like a butt. All of them are are uh, effective, and all of them are getting game. It's just a different style of hunting than what I'm used to, where they've got such a game-rich environment. Whereas in the states, you know, you have a few animals, and if you scare them, then they're gone, and you don't get a you don't get an opportunity. But here, and they have <laughs> these guys have fantastic eyes too. I don't know how they can spot the all yeah. the animals in the bush that they do, but man, they're they're really good at it. They they put me to shame. Yeah, their their spotting capabilities. I mean, I'm sure for all of us, there was times they're like, there it is right there. I'm like, I'm staring at the exact same spot, and I'm like, okay, I believe you, but I don't see it, <laughs> right? Right. So, what what are your thoughts, Paul? Um, I I I agree with everything Rusty said. It's a it's it's definitely a target rich environment. Um, but uh, but it doesn't matter how many animals are out there if you can't find them before they see you it does you no good and these guys are are great at finding them right and knowing exactly what they are before before sometimes long before we could even see them right and uh you know me and rusty talked about this we feel like we're pretty good at spotting stuff with our eyes until we got here (laughs) (laughs) right if i could cut in it all it's also because of the the areas that has plentiful of game it makes for a very good training ground for the kids because you will have multiple opportunities to make multiple stocks and make multiple setups because you're not going to be successful on everything you set up you're actually you are going to fail more times than you succeed but it's not like that's the only thing in a big area and if you blew it then it's the end of the hunt so it takes some of the pressure off for the for the less experienced hunters and we've even had guys that weren't on planning on hunting at all that ended up hunting (laughs) (laughs) are two non-hunters and some of the best shooters this week (laughs) (laughs) so it makes it makes for a very good training ground because you get a lot of it's a steep learning curve but you get a lot of hands-on experience stalking game very wary game but you you will have multiple opportunities within a daily session absolutely true i mean i remember going as the cameraman and as the hunter i got to play both roles um you're constantly constantly finding moving finding something i mean i think we average probably what seven miles plus a day in walking no we're doing more more i mean we walked quite a bit so but we saw a ton of animals i i made a comment that you know, the zoo in the States is pretty much ruined for me because why do I want to see a giraffe in the zoo when we saw them running wild here? It's exactly, it's so majestic. So Ryan's being quiet. So we're going to pick on him again. (laughs) Ryan, what was your favorite hunt this weekend? And can you describe that process? Um, it would have had to been the sable just because we saw it from the truck and then we just snuck up on it, waited for a good shot. And then when the opportunity was there, just took it. Okay, that's a very short description because I, I I heard a longer description of, of I'll, that. I'll t- I'll take over. So we, <laughs> we, we, we drove, like that's not the whole. That's the condensed version of the story. Yes, yes. we had our um, we got our butts kicked for about a day and a half finding sable. So once we did see them from the from the back of a truck in an open field, we. <coughs> We did make a stalk on them. Um, 
but due to long grass and a bit of brush we couldn't get a shot on the bull we wanted and unfortunately we bumped them uh, into a different field but we did catch up to them and then again the whole routine started to find the bull we wanted eventually we did find one we we liked we had ryan up on the sticks and he he made a good shot off of the tripod uh, and a short while later we we found his bull I think we just said the same thing. No, <laughs> very, very, very the, way, the, yeah. the way Ryan put it, it's like most hunts. Yeah, we got off the truck, saw an animal, snuck closer and shot it. That's not like easy. basically. All yeah, it's like yeah, it, was, it was so easy. It was not, not just, a big. We deal. just walked around, saw an animal, snuck up, and shoot it. And, and when Neil says it's an open field, <coughs> you gotta understand this grass is five feet tall. Yes, he calls that an open field. An open it just field. didn't have any big trees in it. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. You could see to a hundred yards. That's why it was open. <laughs> uh, Paul, what about you? I mean, I know you came out here to to watch your boys, and you spent. Just about every every hunt until this morning with them. Uh, what was you know not not to pick favorites, but what was your favorite experience with your boys this weekend? Uh, there wasn't. There's not one that's really a favorite. They were all great. It was it was good getting in and and uh, as much as the as much as I want to see them, you know, make a perfect shot and and uh, and get every animal we stock up on. There was a lot of. Uh, failed attempts that i that i think i value more than the harvest right it's more of a learning lesson yeah right or not more but a different learning lesson yeah and it's uh it's i mean it's a lot of fun watching them evolve and you know get things done awesome what about you nets since you had a chance to work with everybody i think everybody you worked with harvested as well correct yeah yeah i shot i shot an animal with everybody yeah, yeah. so which what was your favorite your favorite one. Favorite hunt? Yeah. I have to say, um, Paul's son Jeremy's Blue Wildebeest was probably, it was a crazy hunt. Like, Paul will explain a bit more about what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul, Paul's giving us the scared, yeah, but he, he, scared look right least, now. At least, I don't, I don't care to talk, but his English is a lot better than mine. <laughs> but everyone at home is enjoying the South, Afri the South African the South, accent. Out, out, over, out, uh, out of mouth. Outside your mouth. Out, outside they your kept, mouth. Okay, so I'm the only Asian here, and they keep telling me, talk outside your mouth. How do you talk outside your mouth? If anybody can explain talk outside your mouth to me, please let me know. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So back to the blue wallabies. Okay, so the there's actually two stories, and both both involve Paul as well. Um, so we snuck up. We walked like round a mountain because we were following zebra. Um, we were on the tracks, walked a bit, and all of a sudden we just hear something snorting in the bush. And <laughs> <laughs> there, everyone started giggling for some reason. I don't, no, I I, I don't know. <laughs> No, so there's also another... Nets, are you drinking already? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, we saw the blue wildebeest, like, looking at us over a bunch of brush and, like, spooked them a little bit. They just ran off, like, a couple, like, 100 or 200 yards. And as we were trying to close the distance once again, these two really nice impala rams started walking out. And... Now we're using um, really right stuff, stripe up. Yep. Am I saying correct? Correct. So Jeremy and Bryce are 
One is right-handed and the other one is left-handed. So we have to swap the, the head around so we both can use the leveling function correctly. As we snuck up, the Impala just disappeared. And we're back on the Blue Wildebeest, so swap the tripod's head around once again. Snuck up on the Wildebeest, the Wildebeest ran off, here comes the Impala, comes back again. <laughs> Swapping around once again. Now me and Bryce, Bryce wanted to shoot the Impala. Me and him is like, I'm through my binoculars and he's through the scope, he's like on him. And like, I could just hear behind me, there's some kind of screeching noise going on in its pole, trying to... <laughs> trying to get my attention because the wildebeest also came back now we're like assessing which opportunity is the most um, advantageous yeah and we're like okay we'll get another shot on the impala so once again swap the head around get on the wildebeest and Jerry made an excellent 275 yard shot nice went 60 yards and it's down Excuse so, me. There's another story, Paul. You're gonna tell this one about the war talk that almost yeah. ran you over. <laughs> well, we we almost lost. So yeah. we almost lost Paul on this trip because him, he and a, a warthog got into a confrontation. Paul, what did what'd you do to piss off that warthog? Uh, I didn't. Nets <laughs> pissed it off and chased it towards me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happened? Can you elaborate for the listeners? Uh, we were just. Walking into an area, and uh, we saw one warthog, but it ran off. It saw us first, and uh, so we're just following nets like we are told that we're supposed to. And uh, he walked by the bush that was making noise. Told me later he yeah, thought it I was a bird. A bird in the bush or something. That's not a bird. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing I know, a warthog's jumping out and running right towards me. And I, I do what any normal hunter would do and froze and as soon as it saw me it started making a bunch of noise and coming straight towards me <laughs> until i jumped <laughs> i might have screeched a little <laughs> no, no. I, I, I heard from the boys that he, daddy sounded like a little girl <laughs> but it, it was basically it scared the warthog away so it worked <laughs> yeah but that warthog probably passed within two feet of pole it was yeah it was pretty close it was a close really, encounter it was really close yep and i'm like what am i gonna do what am i gonna do <laughs> i'm like this tripod doesn't look sturdy enough to hit it off right. of pole or something i'm not sure what i should do now but at least all that it, that's why you have a glock yeah leave the tripod alone I, I, pick up the I'm, gun <laughs> How good of an animal shot I am, I'm going to hit Paul. Yeah, okay. Use the tripod. We, we need <laughs> to take Paul home. I have the tripod. Yeah, of course. So we, we, you brought up the tripod, you know, uh, a couple of times here real quick. Um, in the NRL Hunter, we use tripods quite a bit. And so we brought tripods to hunt with over here. <coughs> uh, excuse me. I remember in the morning I was planning to go hunt um, with Neville. And Neville brought out some shooting sticks, like the... Um, yeah, it's trigger, trigger sticks. Trigger sticks, right? And I'd never shot off of trigger sticks in my in my life. And I told him that I wasn't comfortable using it and that I wanted to use a tripod. Um, he w wasn't excited about the idea because he I don't think he'd ever used the tripod no, before. The first time that we used it. Um, and we showed him how we used it, and he became very confident with it very quick with being able to deploy it as the pH and having us shoot off of it. For from the pH side and from the, the hunter side, 
how important was the tripod this week? A uh, very important. So if if you want to if you want to make a very difficult stage in a hunter match, get a trigger stick and make it a compulsory item to use. I can I guarantee you it's not a very stable utility to use so but that's what most people have been using in the past yes but most people um, uh, don't shoot very medium distance shots we shoot less than 100 meter shots 100 yard shots so you're not going to stretch the legs on a gun over over a normal trigger stick so the tripod just gives you a bit more stable base not a bit it gives you a a good stable base to work from and um, and especially especially with the 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 younger with the boys they could they could get nice and sturdy and they knew how to work the tripod and and you have if you have to come over and you've never shot off of a shooting stick to it it's going to take a while and take a few shots for you to get used to to using the shooting stick so a tripod definitely definitely works better and you you basically unlock a door in terms of yardage that you will never be able to get yep. without a a good tripod okay so i think we all kind of use the tripod differently because you ryan that's who i'm talking to sorry ryan you locked into your tripod right yeah so <clears throat> how was that for you as far as it being deployed and getting on target fast enough and getting it locked in um so we practiced with the tripod before we came here just to get it down and everything and it didn't take too much longer than just putting it on a bag just because they put it down, and all you had to do is pull this, uh, pull the lever back, and it was clipped in. And so you felt confident and secure with it. Yeah. Because I mean, if I'm not mistaken, you shot all your animals off of the tripod. Yeah. Awesome. And you know, for the hunters from the states that haven't been over here in this area, the grass is so tall that using we never used a bipod just because it's you never have that opportunity because you can't. You'd be laying down in the grass and wouldn't be able to see two feet in front of you. Right. But so so something you're going to have to shoot standing. You're going to have to shoot off of something, and so trying to use a, a trigger sticks and make some of the shots that we made would just be impossible to do. So using a using a steady tripod like that is just. Like you said, it, it stretches your, your possibilities out. So you don't have to sneak in within 100 mm. yards. You can shoot them in the two mid-twos or wherever, whatever you need to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I'm fairly sure if you're younger, inexperienced hunters, for Jeremy to have shot over a trigger stick, I mean, clipped in, I've, I, I think he's also more confident and able to make good shots and place it where he wants to do it. So did Jeremy and Bryce clip in as well, or they shot off of a plate? They clipped, they clipped in. in. They clipped in as well. Uh, okay. all of them, yeah. I think all of the boys made good shots on every animal. Mm. There were there any bad hints that Not they made? Mine was. What? Well, <laughs> did, did <laughs> include you intentionally? We want to keep the show real, okay? I I had a I I did not have a, a great shot on one animal, but. We'll talk about that when we're in person. <laughs> there doesn't need to be a permanent record of that. <laughs> That's why you practice. But how did how did the boys feel off of the tripod? Because Jeremy's four foot three, if that. If that four, so he's substantially shorter than a lot of the tall grass that's out here. Uh, yeah, there was there was several days that we got set up and the boys could not see the animals because they were so short. That's how tall the grass is. 
So what did what did you do to help them overcome some of those obstacles, or what did the PH uh, do? Uh, we worked we worked through different options to get them a little higher. Um, uh, you know, uh, as far as standing straight up instead of hunched over a little bit, and and just and then we just knew what we had to deal with and started working working through the problems and getting in better better situations to where maybe the grass wasn't quite as tall, or we'd move to a different area that had like a little bump or a hill that we could get up on just yeah. to right. shoot over stuff look for a mound yeah set them up on a mound work the problem yeah awesome so we started talking about gear with the tripod everyone's gonna ask what what did you guys bring over here i know you guys each brought a couple of different rifles and and why why did you bring those rifles so whoever wants to start paul or rusty um I bought. I brought a Bagara six five Creedmoor. Um, it's a factory rifle, but I took it out of the factory chassis and put it as a magnesium XLR with a folder. Um, and then I had a seven Psalm and a magnesium XLR chassis, both of them with suppressors. Uh, it just makes it so much nicer to not have to be fumbling with ear protection right. and being able to communicate and and uh, being able to hear when you're done. What uh, what optics were you running on each? On um, both of them, they're Leopold's. One's a five to twenty five, and the other's a seven to thirty five. Okay, so you went with the higher magnification. Uh, yeah, the um, all my hunting rifles pretty much have the five to twenty five. Um, they come in handy if uh, there's several times we we got on the scope and we're um, trying to trying to see warthog tusks because they're just. Sometimes they're just too far away to see with 10 power binoculars. Right. Right. So why did you put, pick the 6.5 Creedmoor and the 7? Um, talking to Neil before, a 6.5 Creedmoor would probably do everything that we needed to, but uh, might be a little small. Uh, it would definitely work if the shot placement was perfect, and turns out that we could have shot everything with a 6.5 Creedmoor. But the 7 Psalm just gives you a little bit of... Um, error factor i guess you know if the shot's just not perfect a little bigger bullet hits a little harder okay awesome what about you rusty what did you bring uh we brought over a 6.5 creedmoor and a 6.5 psalm and one's a little harder hitting just sends a bullet out a little faster but uh, they're both in in mpa ultralight chassis um they both top by Leopold. 525 mark 5s um it's just a fantastic scope for that but uh yeah they're both suppressed and we ended up not using the the psalm i think you guys use and the Tyler and I did, yeah. Tyler, Tyler, yeah. um and so that got to shoot a lot of things but uh no i the one that we used is the one that ryan shot his one hunter match with and that i've shot all my hunter matches with when i've shot in the in the open category where there's open light or open heavy the same the same exact set up except i don't shoot suppressed in, right in the hunter series um but with the same exact bullet 140 vld hunting bullet so when people say in regards to the nro hunter that those aren't hunting rifles those are you know those are built for the game so on and so forth i mean we kind of just proved this weekend i mean we were taking the african game with the same rifles that we use at the matches and it is a pretty blue color but luckily the animals are colorblind so they can't see that <laughs> <laughs> and we did some walking with the rifles so we did that's a lot of times people say well it's going to be uncomfortable to walk with but with modern day barrels that 
carbon wrap barrels and ultralight chassis. It, it, it's a very comfortable rifle to just sling over your shoulder and do a quick seven miles for the day. So how, how heavy was the 6.5 SOM in your Creedmoor, Rusty? Um, do you I'm know not roughly? sure about the SOM. I didn't weigh that. The Creedmoor is always right at 12 pounds okay. when I have a bipod on it. Which we didn't use this. But we put a suppressor but on I it. I had a suppressor on it, so it's probably under under yeah, 12 pounds. Just under 12. The way we had it set up, under 12 pounds. Okay. What, what about uh, you, Paul? What were you, Do you know what your rifles weighed in at, roughly? Guessing I it? don't. Um, it's it's pretty much the same rifle that uh, that that, I sh that I've shot the Hunter matches with. It's just the lighter chassis, that magnesium chassis. So you're under 12 pounds. Yeah, well under 12 pounds. Yeah. I think uh, it's funny. Your boys made a joke that your rifle was lighter than my camera gear. <laughs> it, it, it definitely was. That's yeah. a lot of camera gear you all around. So, <coughs> excuse me, guys. The the six fives were definitely the preferred caliber of the weekend. It sounds like, um, but we also harvested a sable with the three hundred eight. Stumpy. 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 So, what what is stumpy? Because I I think this is. Uh, I mean, the modern rifles are amazing, right? Yeah. But I thought this was a pretty cool rifle, and I was honored that you let me have the opportunity to harvest with it. Yeah, Stompy has a, a rich family history. Uh, so it was, it was my, my late grandfather's rifle. It was my very first rifle that I inherited, and I shot a lot of game with it. I think it's probably the very first three hundred eight in the history of South Africa that had to, get a, had to be rebarreled because... <laughs> <laughs> And then once we rebarreled it, I kind of thought might as well go see how short I can go. So it's got a, it's an 18-inch suppressed 308. That it spits a very slow 165 grain bullet, but <laughs> it 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 does the job, and it's 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 a bit easier to carry around. And um, I love the rifle to bits. I can't wait for my son to grow up and just carry on with the family legacy. And it was really nice for me to to have Travis walking around with with my grandfather's rifle and and for us uh, south africans we are very sentimental about certain stuff like that like the name of red sand safaris is 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 was named after our very first family farm and and the farm that i grew up on and now to kind of see everything go full circle where i've got people that hunt with me all over the world that use a stompy to shoot a sable cow and we've got, he, he had enough trigger time because he had to shoot the sable cow a few times. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I thought we were going to talk about that on this podcast. <laughs> but okay, so what, what action is Stompy? Because you said it's, it's a, it's a 1947, uh, it's made in Czechoslovakia. It's called a Bruno action. Bruno action. Yeah, I can't say the, the full name, but it's a Czechoslovakian action that most people call. It's a Model 21 Bruno action. And it's, it had its original barrel and original factory wooden stock, but the wood basically crumbled. So I, I just put it in a, in a fiberglass stock and had it rebarreled a few years ago. And he says a 1946. 1947. Or 47. Yes. Okay. So 1947, still harvesting big game in South Africa many, many years later. That's correct. And it's, I mean, it was an absolute pleasure to shoot. Thank you so much. It, yeah, I'm very honored that you let me shoot it. Sure. We'll get basically. There was a sable. You said take the shot. I took the shot. It ran off. I thought I hit a tree like we thought somebody else hit a tree earlier today or earlier this week. <clears throat> we had to wait a while to to try to track it. It was a long track. Uh, Nets came out to help track it, and then finally 
Neil found it in a completely different area. Yeah. Um, we got set up on it again. I took a, another shot, and that shot pretty much, you know, it, it was dead on the second shot. Um, but it was still standing, so I listened to my pH. He said, shoot it again in the neck. So I shot it in again in the neck, so it dropped completely on its, you know, straight down. And uh, and that was pretty much the end of it without getting... I'm not a great storyteller, guys. If Tyler was here, it'd be... And, and this, <laughs> why I was there, and all these dramatics, and it would be awesome. But it was... Uh, I don't think it was... The rifle, I think it was the the, the guy behind it that uh, made a... I shot it in the shoulder and it came out the top of its back. So I don't know if it deflected off the shoulder or if we if it hit a piece of bush first and then deflected into the... I don't know. We don't know exactly what happened, but after the first shot, it was alive. Um, we did have to track it, but we were able to successfully harvest it and put it out as fast as we could, so... That's part of hunting. If it's never happened to you, it's bound to happen to you at one point. And that's part of the reason why you need such a good team because at the end of the day, hunting, is it's a team sport <laughs> because there's people who take you to the animal. There's people who find your animal. Sometimes you need to get the tracker in to help find the animals. They're just, they're just sometimes so tough. And then there's somebody that prepares the trophy. There's somebody that prepares the meat. We've had... We've had Sable throughout the week. We had Blessbuck. We had Impala. Impala. So it's it's not an individual sport hunting. So and Then you get back to camp and you have a nice warm meal already prepared. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. I caught a bit of a cough this weekend, so I apologize for all the coughing I'm doing, everyone. So my story leads me to one of my favorite hunts of this weekend, which was Ryan's hunt, which we were driving. Ryan had already harvested in the morning. And we were driving through this area to look for the sable that I had wanted to shoot. And they were driving on the road. And all of a sudden, I spotted a game. I didn't know exactly what it was. And, I, you know, we stopped the, the Bucky. Bucky? The truck. Outside? Bucky. Bucky. Outside your mouth. Outside, outside my mouth. We stopped the truck. <laughs> and, and we backed up. And, and we got Ryan into a position to harvest the animal because it was one of the animals that he had wanted which was the uh, Gemsbuck. I always want to say Blessbuck. Gemsbuck. And uh, uh, Ryan's father, Rusty, and Neil and I were there, and they're all looking at what they assume to be the same animal, (laughs) but it wasn't the same animal, and Ryan was comfortable and took a shot. And, And when I say he took a shot, I mean, this was like branches everywhere. I mean, it was thick bush. And... We all heard the, the the thud of a solid impact, and um, and they were like, everyone was like, did he sh- did he shoot it? Did he hit it? Because the ones that Rusty and Neil were looking at happened to be the one that Ryan wasn't looking at, and the one that Ryan was shooting at. So there's a little bit of a communication like, you know, uh, mix up there or or whatnot, because there happened to be more animals there than than we had originally thought, and. Uh, after a while, we'd pretty much come to the conclusion uh, that it got the bullet got deflected and hit a tree is is what we had thought because it was the bush was so thick and you know Rusty and Neil could only see the one animal because it was so thick. But Ryan Eagle Eye over there, he he saw something a little bit different than what everybody else saw, and he was able to thread that needle and, and uh, harvest a beautiful animal. 
So it's, uh, I thought that was pretty awesome because... You found the animal? I, well, I spotted the animal. Is that why it's a good story? No, I, it's a good story because <laughs> oh. he saw okay. what you didn't <laughs> see, and he made a successful harvest. So both you guys saw what I didn't see. So why are we here? Let's go, let's go hunt, bro. <laughs> We're not going to be professional hunters, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Where's the taste? Bring out the taste. <laughs> so what's... You know, we, we, we've been here, um, we're all here because of the sponsorship that you did for NRL Hunter in the States. You have put up another prize yes. for this year's championship. Well, do you remember what the uh, what I that can, is or roughly what that is? I can explain not roughly what it is. So we basically, it was a trial phase with Rusty's hunt. We put up a, a hunt where we we do an an all-inclusive hunt. So basically what that means is... It's not, you don't have to bring your own food. You don't have to bring your own drinks. We provide all that in camp. You don't have to bring any, you don't even have to bring a towel. Um, so I, we put up another hunt. I think it's a six day hunt. That's all expenses paid. You, you just fly over here, bring your rifle. There's a few trophy animals on it. I definitely know there's a Ninyala included. That's the, that's the one I definitely can remember. And you don't, you can, you leave your wallet at home. You Come over here, enjoy the trip. There's there's soda, water, drinks included, snacks is included. There's daily laundry service. We have a wonderful lodge. It's uh, okay. Let's talk about the food. Yes. Okay. Your, your home cooked meals are amazing. Yes. I, I think we all could agree that the food was top notch while we were here. Absolutely. Yeah. His his mom, <laughs> his mom cooked the meals, and uh, man, she can cook. They were it was it was really good food the whole week. Yeah. What was do you, I don't know if you'll remember the names because I don't remember I the names remember of all of them. It. But what was your yeah. favorite dish? Do you remember what it? I couldn't Can say. It was so good every night. There was different kinds of meat every night that I haven't had before. Different kind of vegetables that I couldn't put a name on, but everything was wonderful. Yeah. Even that bacon that we thought was bacon that wasn't that bacon cow this morning. Cow bacon. Yeah. Cow, cow bacon. bacon. <laughs> cow bacon. <laughs> it, it looked like we all thought it was bacon, and they're like, no, it's beef. We're like, oh. <laughs> it was delicious. Ryan, do you have a, did you have a favorite meal that you could remember? Because I, I remember there's a couple of times you had, like, seconds and thirds, and, and we were, like, just chowing down. Um, I don't know. The... I don't really know how to say it. Just the, describe the, it. He can the, bu- the babuti? The yeah, that one was pretty good. The babuti. It's called babuti. So what's babuti? So usually the the overseas guys say bobo tie, but it's actually pronounced babuti. It's a traditional South African meal with, made with impala, um, mince, with, with yellow rice and egg on top. It might sound funny, but... Um, it's delicious, and we eat it with Mrs. Ball Chutney. Mrs. HS Balls. Mrs. HS, HS Balls Chutney. Chutney. Yes. <laughs> and you put a lot of their ball sauce on the Chutney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Paul, Paul's turning red over here. I don't know if Paul wants to answer this question. <laughs> I, I, I think my favorite dish was the, the hot pot. The, the poiki. Poiki yes. in the in the cast iron pot. Cast iron pot. It's called Poiki. I, I don't even know what kind of meat it was. Sable. It, it was, was sable. Ryan Sable. Yes. Ryan Sable. Yes. It was delicious. He's becoming the provider of the family. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we're almost at that time um, where we're going to wrap up the show. Um, I know we have the NRL South Africa Hunter Championships are being held here at Red Sand Safaris next year. 
Uh, we're going to try to bring some of the U.S. guys over here to compete in the match and maybe do some hunting as well. That's correct. So it sounds like, you know, we might be coming over here, pretty sending, sending some Americans over here pretty often. Yes, well, hopefully we can do that. So we're planning on bringing a few guys from the States to fly in, stay with us here at Red Sand Safaris because the championship match will be actually on the farm here at Red Sand Safaris. And then after the match, we would like them to stay for a few days and then hunt a few animals with us and make some new friends. Awesome, awesome. Rusty, Ryan, Paul, do you guys want to... Nets, do you want to add anything before we say goodbye to our audience? No, shoot straight. Nets says shoot straight, okay. Paul, he's just smiling. <laughs> Man of many few words. I'd just say if you're if you're looking for a place to go on safari in Africa, this is definitely a great place to come. I've been very happy with it. Everybody's been fantastic. Yeah, this has uh, definitely been a, a bucket list dream of mine to be able to travel the world and hunt in South Africa. If you're if if you're a serious big game hunter and South Africa is not on your list, then you're you're missing out. So it's just absolutely phenomenal here at Red Sand Safaris. I haven't. I have nothing to compare it to, but other adventures I've had, and this is definitely one that I'll never forget. And, you know, one day when, when we have kids, you know, we'll, we'll come and your kids can guide our kids and, and we'll sit back and have a cigar and cocktail. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we really appreciate Oh, what's the website for Red Sand Safaris? Oh, so, Sorry. Yeah, uh, Red Sand Safaris, it's redsandsafaris.com, no spaces. And our email is on there, and there's a bunch of information. You can go look it up on Facebook. It's also Red Sand Safaris. Uh, you can also have a look on the NRL Hunter website. There's a link to our website on the actual NRL Hunter website. Mm -hmm. If you guys are interested in a hunt or maybe to come shoot a match, you can get off all of Travis or Rusty or Paul. They all have my contact details. We help you with the whole process, everything from rifle import so you bring your own rifle, your own ammunition to hunt with. We send you all the paperwork you need to fill in. There's no sh no shots you have to give. It's a malaria-free area you we're hunting in. The weather's great always. And um, before we, we head off, I just would like to say thank you to Travis. Um, I listen to the Hunter podcast a lot. And I, it was maybe, I wouldn't say it was a dream of mine, but it was definitely a bucket list item to <laughs> sit around a table with people like Rusty and Paul. And Nets and Travis, <coughs> and, and just talk about having a fun time. It, it, it's really a privilege for me, and, and thank you for, for why, why trusting us. This is very nice what you're saying. Yeah. Nets is over here. He, Nets is a redhead, like Paul. But he just turned like three shades darker red, and, and he can't stop giggling. He's not even laughing. He's giggling. Because no, he gets paid to do what he did this week. so <laughs> <laughs> He's paid to have a good time. So, no, it's... It's really, thank you for trusting the NRL brand and and becoming an affiliation or affiliate with Red Sands of Forest. It's really, it's really the most wonderful people in the world, the people that shoot NRL Hunter matches. So thank you so much. No, thank you. And I think from all of us and Tyler and, uh, you know, we can't thank you guys enough for providing us the opportunity to have these memories and experiences with you guys. So Thank you, guys. If you're listening and you're thinking about going on safari, it's actually a lot more affordable than a lot of people think. It's something that even if you have to save up for a couple of years, it's something that you need to do because it is an experience that is 
absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, and come check out Red Sand Safaris and bring your friends and family because it is a kid-friendly environment. It is a female-friendly environment if you have female hunters. And if you're new or seasoned, the, the PH is here. They, they've got it down-packed. So come out and have some fun and uh, check out an NRL Hunter, you know, South Africa match or, or you know, just come out here and shoot and sort of have some fun. Either way, you're going to have a great time. But until next time, guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, stay safe, and we'll see you all at a match. Take care.